Welcome to Stack Hunters. I'm Bradley Stalder, your host tonight, and joining me yet again, Dan Williamson. Dan can't get away from Player Profiler. No, he is well integrated into the Player Profiler machine. Just joining us from the Dynasty Roundtable with Matt Babich and Seth Dewald. Dan, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. I'm enjoying the whole Player Profiler experience, getting myself kind of warmed into everything. I'm... Uh... I don't know. I, I, I'm like a virus. You let me in one spot and pretty soon I'm popping up everywhere. One Just... of those good viruses. We don't want to flatten the curve with Dan Williamson. We want the curve to spike here and maintain its its height and breadth. Nevertheless, tonight we're going to talk some high stakes best ball stacks. We're going to talk about some of the flexes and how they did, especially for the first round of our the first round of 2023, what that looked like. And then also we are going to bring on in about halfway through the show, maybe about 20 minutes into the show, Darren Armani, AKA fantasy mojo, fantasymojo.com. He runs the pros versus Joe's. He's got all the data. He's got great things when it comes to FFPC. So shout out to Darren preemptively stick around all that and more right after this. So, Dan, last year there was a pretty set consensus on Justin Jefferson being drafted at the 101. And we saw that that stack let us down from an injury perspective. Jefferson performed the first four weeks and the last four weeks of the fantasy season. He delivered for us, but it was hard because his performances did not overlap with Cousins and Hawkinson very often. And so with Jefferson injured for half of the season and Cousins dealing with an Achilles injury, Hawkinson going down at the end of the year with an ACL injury, Jordan Addison dealing with concussions through a few weeks of the season, the Minnesota stacks looked good on the surface. If we pull out the per game stats for Kirk Cousins and Jefferson Addison, Jefferson Addison, it feels like I'm rattling off some like presidents, Washington, Adams, Jefferson, Madison, whatever. Alexander Madison's on this team Jordan, too. Jordan, Jordan the- Addison was the 37th president of the United States. Just so you know, <laughs> he might as well have been 37th pick in my draft. The outlook for 2024 seems pretty uncertain from even a quarterback perspective. What is the offense going to look like without TJ Hawkinson? There's a lot of concern about Minnesota, which is why Justin Jefferson It's one of the contributing factors to why Jefferson's not the 101 consensus this year. I have seen him taken first overall, but it is not as common this year. What is your take of how you're sifting through this Minnesota Vikings 2024, given what happened this past year? Yeah, it was an unfortunate scene last year for sure, as you well described. And I, I... I definitely may have had one or two or three or more of those stacks going because it was so easy to stack them with the Packers too for the week oh, 17 correlation. Yes. It was it was one of those things where it was just fun to do. But I okay, so JJ, not my one-on-one this year, but the only reason that he's not is because of Christian McCaffrey. I still think JJ is about as safe as they come. I have a pretty strong hunch that Cousins comes back in some form or fashion unless the Vikings are able to trade up for a no-doubt starter. 
i.e. one of the top three. I think if they get Bo Nix or Michael Penix or something like that, it would only make sense to keep Cousins around. I redshirt him for a year and they could probably work out a deal with Cousins where he could get out pretty easily, move on to somebody else if you wanted. So I, Cousins likes being in Minnesota. Minnesota likes having Cousins. Those are two very, very important things. When you have two parties like that that really like, genuinely like each other, Kirk Cousins, he's, he's got a house here. His, his kids are going to school here. The, the whole ball of wax. I don't think he really wants to uproot himself, but if the Vikings don't give him a fair offer, then he will. Yeah, Cousins is someone that Dan is intimately knowledgeable about given his location in Minnesota. Let's let's give yes. Dan his due. For reference, Justin Jefferson finished as the wide receiver five in best ball value rating this past season. That's a per-game basis, so he was still delivering for you. He didn't implode or anything. And then Jordan Addison finished as wide receiver 25 in best ball value rating. So nearly top 24, back-end wide receiver two. His ADP is is one that I'm going to be watching very closely because I think it will be tied to a lot of the reports with TJ Hawkinson and whether Hawkinson is able to make a recovery. I've seen Hawkinson go as the tight end 11, tight end 12, tight end 13. And given the ranges of outcomes, especially on the FFPC, I'm not as confident taking Hawkinson at this point. If I'm going to draft TJ Hawkinson... I'm going to take him in end of July, August, and maybe the first week of September when we have more news. I just will have zero exposure to Hawkinson at this point because I, the the risk of him being a zero for the majority of the season or even half of the season, I don't know if it's something that I want to take a risk on given the other components of Addison's development, Justin Jefferson existing in this offense, and the question at quarterbacks. Dan, We'll put a bow on Minnesota here in a second, but your last thoughts on TJ Hawkins. Yeah, I think you, you've got the right read on it because the thing is by the time Hawkinson actually gets back and comfortable again in the, the starting lineup, it, it's probably going to be Justin Jefferson driving and Jordan Addison riding shotgun, and Hawkinson's going to be the guy sitting in the back seat hanging over the front going, hey, what's going on up there, guys? So <laughs> that's... He, he could be the third wheel for pretty much all of 2024, is how I see it. Yeah, Hawkinson on a per-game basis was the tight end three this past season. But if I'm picking between any of those top-tier tight ends, we're talking about Laporta and Kelsey, Andrews, Kittle. Like, all of those in best ball value rating were in a very similar tier this year. And so if there's a flat tier, why am I going to take the guy who has the biggest risk at this point so as bffl puts in the twitter chat i agree hawkinson is a fade unless we get a lot of positive news near the end of the summer but that's when i'll take some shares of tj hawkinson unless the adp drops significantly we'll pivot to another team affected by injuries this past season and that was chase higgins and burrow those stacks chase was the consensus 102 he often was going at the 102 compared to McCaffrey. Sometimes he was going at the 102, 103. But Chase, there was a lot of hype for Chase. And if you weren't getting Jefferson, you were going with Chase usually as the wide receiver too. But Higgins was getting drafted at that 2-3 turn and was just an absolute disaster when it came to best ball value rating. 
I have to scroll down in my notes to find where Higgins is. He was wide receiver 31 in terms of best ball value rating, but bailed out by a couple late season boom weeks. The first half of the season was disastrous, mostly for two reasons. It was Burrow's calf injury. And two was Higgins' own injuries that he was trying to play through. And we've seen Higgins play poorly through injuries before. But Higgins probably should move down to round five, even if he finds a different location, a different team in 2024. Dan, what kind of bounce back are we expecting for Jamar Chase in 2024 with Joe Burrow? Yeah, Chase is interesting because he he's a like one of the most boom busty wide receivers that you can find, especially up at the you know the top of the board like that. Not that that's necessarily a bad thing for best ball because you know we we like those boom weeks and you know in the bust weeks somebody else is probably uh, you know stepping into the lineup for us. So you know in a, in a way that's totally fine. But I was never a fan of where uh, Higgins and Chase were going in relation to each other. Because I was like, man, Burrow has to, you know, has, has to, he would have to be the quarterback one, basically, yes. uh, for both both these guys to work out there. So I, I hard-faded Higgins. The only time I took any Higgins is when I was sharing a team with somebody else. And, you know, they basically said, let's take Higgins here. That's okay, fine. I don't have any shares. We'll do it now. I, I mean, know. there was a lot of a, uh, at the 2-3 turn, you take Kansas City, Patrick Mahomes. You would take Kelsey at the 101, Mahomes at the... 212 and then Higgins at the 301. So typically it was structural and week 17, but yep. that was the that was the only unfortunately that was was driving up T Higgins a lot. But unfortunately like Higgins was not a player that I was in on in 2023 because of the lack of spike weeks. He was at 0% rate of top five weeks going into 2023. And so my concern was he's not going to access the ceilings that we want on the consistent basis. And I was not drafting a ton of him in August, September, etc. So my concerns were he's not going to deliver for you. And given the opportunity cost for T Higgins, that wasn't going to work. So I didn't have a, a high percentage of T Higgins at that two, three turn. Yes. So, see, Bradley, you and I, we need to we need to share some teams this year because, honest to God, we we we, we think the same on a lot of these guys. Uh, and I I did have in the not not in best ball, but in the uh, main event in FFPC, I had one team that was a, a, a total Bengals stack, and yeah, that was painful. yeah. It probably just paid the paid the I, rake there. Yes. Yes. We were. It, it was. Pipweb Mandel, a uh, good high stakes player. Don't know if you've heard of him or not, but anyway, yes. he and I he and I shared this team, and we still almost managed to get it into the playoffs, but just missed on the last week. So, well, we'll talk about one more stack, and then we will bring on Darren Armani, aka Fantasy Mojo, in a moment. The last stack is one that is perplexing for many fantasy managers and how they're handling Stefan Diggs and Josh Allen in. The underdog streets, the best ball mania four winner had Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs on his team, but it was Stefan Diggs disappointed. He was a clear mid wide receiver one in fantasy drafts for 2023, but you had to usually take Josh Allen in the second round. And that's where this drafter did take him. But Diggs finished as the wide receiver 
17 in best ball value rating, so not even in the top 12. He wasn't a, a, a wide receiver one, but Josh Allen finished clearly as the quarterback one, which is what elevated this entire team and this squad. And I think sometimes we undervalue the importance of accessing ceiling for our quarterbacks. Like, we can get good quarterbacks later. And that's not always the case. Like, we see all the time these quarterback 15s, quarterback 18s, not be able to give you enough quarterback five weeks to justify their draft capital. With Allen being the quarterback one, I think he's still going to continue to be that quarterback one. He can get the passing touchdowns, rushing touchdowns, rushing yards. But the question is, where is Stephon Diggs going to fall? Because in my first draft with Theo on the FFPC, he... He went to the 202, 203, about that spot. I don't have Stefan Diggs as a second-round player in my rankings. So how are we going to suss this out, Dan? First off, where do you have him, Brad? Yeah, I think I have him outside of – I think I have him outside of round two. I think he's 26 or something like that. All right. I feel good about that then because I just took uh, Diggs in a never-too-early tourney at 305, I think it was. So – you know, and and I feel pretty good about that. I think with Diggs, basically it comes down to a couple things. I, I think if he sticks in Buffalo, he almost has to do better than what he did going down the stretch last season. And unless he's completely lost it as a player, he's just aged out or whatever, which I didn't really see. I saw more off-target passes. It was just like him and Josh Allen were not clicking very well. And then when they put Joe Brady in as the offensive coordinator, they were more willing to go other ways. So he wasn't getting quite the same target volume either, though it was close. So I I think it's an interesting conundrum. I think Diggs could easily force his way out of Buffalo. But what will be interesting is it would have to be by trade because Buffalo cannot afford to cut him. They have too many problems. And that would also probably leave them without any good wide receivers. I think a sneaky deep Mm -hmm. selection is Khalil Shakir because Gabe Davis is a free agent. And if Stefan Diggs forces himself out, we could be looking at a completely revamped wide receiver core for Buffalo. And also to, to put one last bow on Stefan Diggs, he has been streaky in his career. Dan, you can attest to this during his time in Minnesota, but he's gone on stretches for seven, eight, nine, ten games straight where he's not produced double digit fantasy points. But then he goes on tears where he has produced 20 fantasy points for five games straight. And so I think the MO for Stefan Diggs is that you just got to ride the streak with him, that you just got to live with what he's going to deliver for you. And, and unfortunately, we saw at the end of the season, especially during the fantasy playoffs, him sour on our fantasy teams. So Harry Snowman does throw in Dalton Kincaid could take the next step. That's very possible. Dawson Knox is still under contract. We will see how the Buffalo Bills approach this offense during the, the offseason. But there's there's a lot to monitor, Dan. And Stephon Diggs, as you mentioned, could be sticking around or he could work his way out. Yeah, and, and, and the thing is, with a guy like that, I'm probably going to go ahead and at least take some shots at him. I'm going to be no more than even weight, maybe a little bit underweight on Diggs. But, you know, when he falls that far, uh, you know, you just have to take a shot because if he does rebound, it's such a huge value. Absolutely. All right. Before we get to Darren, we have a word from our sponsors. It has been two years since Josh Larkey paved the way for fantasy gamers to start expecting 
positive returns from pick'em games, specifically underdog pick'ems. And how do you do it? You look at the slate and you find a great shootout or a sneaky shootout. You also look for a shit show game. Three, four, five, six guys in one game. That's right. You can do it. You can do it. And you can 100x your payout on underdog. Think about week one. Jets-Bills was a shit show. Did we see the Aaron Rodgers injury coming? No, but we knew the Jets have a good defense. We knew the Bills have a good defense. Why not expect the worst? And the worst is what we got. So if you had gone Dalvin Cook less than, Garrett Wilson less than, Aaron Rodgers less than, Josh Allen less than, Gabriel Davis less than, boom, 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 boom. You can go six for six. Same thing in week two. Oh, week two. Oh, sneaky shootout there in Philadelphia. Minnesota's going to be in comeback mode. So we'll go Cousins, Jefferson, Hawkinson, more than. Madison, less than. But also Swift, more than. Boom, 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 boom. That's how you do it with the underdog pickums, and you use promo code UNDERWORLD to get a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. You put in 100, underdog matches that deposit up to 100 bucks with promo code UNDERWORLD. Go start picking. That's right. Go start picking on Underdog Fantasy. But we're not going to talk Underdog Fantasy the rest of the show. We are going to talk FFPC. Darren Armani, a.k.a. Fantasy Mojo, is in the Stack Hunters house. Darren, welcome to Stack Hunters. Gentlemen, how we doing? Doing great, Darren. Great to have you on. This guy here, he's the man when it comes to all things ADP. The the, the Fantasy Mojo site, unreal. I, I got stack data pouring out my ears, getting ready for this today. I was like, I compile all the data, and I, I, I pushed out this best ball analysis thing every year, and it's just, I, I never really dove into it till today to like really take a look at what the results are. I'm just like, okay, let's just push it out so people can look at it. But with with some of the stuff you guys wanted to go over, I had a chance to to dive in. I, I specifically looked at the the not too early tournament for FFPC last year. And there's some, some surprising things that I found that uh, it's good that I went through this exercise. It forced Once you start thinking through it, it's like, how do I apply this data? Then you get, you get some revelations, some light bulbs go off. You shared some of that data with me. And I've also shared that with Dan as well. Some of the names that are popping up in the top finishers of the, the top 15, based on what um, what data you've shared, it looks like there were some injured quarterbacks who still made the never-too-early tournament finals, and that included Kyler Murray, who missed a significant part of the year due to the ACL injury, Kirk Cousins towards Achilles, Aaron Rodgers was on a team here, like, the fact that there were so many injured quarterbacks, I think, is a head-scratcher. Dan or Darren, why do you think there were such a significant amount of injured quarterbacks who ended up on these teams that made it all the way to the finals in the never-too-early 2023 best ball tournament? I'd say it, it's it's basically two seasons, right? It's there's There's the 14 weeks of getting to the playoffs, which is really what you got to be drafted for right now because we don't know schedules, right? It's not like I could do week 17 correlation. That that, that doesn't play. And then there's the, the three-week sprint once you're in the playoffs. And a lot of times what – having looked at some of the, the winning teams, 
it's one quarterback carried them to get to the playoffs, and then it was another guy that propelled them forward, dragging along maybe some injured players. So as long as those guys, you know, didn't didn't uh, hurt your team too badly during the first 14 weeks, you still made it in, and then another guy takes over and, and takes you across the finish line. That's That was my take from seeing a lot of that stuff. Yeah, I'm also thinking that if you drafted multiple quarterbacks, it was almost inevitable that at least one of them was going to get injured. It, the amount of injuries, it, I don't see Anthony Richardson on this list, but he was another one that, Darren, I can attest to in the pros versus Joes. Like I had to navigate with one quarterback for half the season, aside from Taysom Hill. It was just Taysom and Tua for, for, that, particular, for that particular team. But looking at all of these, like you were bound to most likely get imploded by one quarterback. But does this, does the amount of injuries that impacted quarterback and the quarterback position in 2023 affect how, Darren, you and Dan are drafting quarterbacks? Are you now a little more scared to take just two quarterbacks in these drafts? Or does this firm up your desire to take three quarterbacks or heck even four quarterbacks in drafts as as you're approaching 2024 that's that's another analysis that we have how many players in each position was it was it uh, best or was it optimal to carry on these teams dan why don't you take why don't you speak to that i'm gonna i'm gonna pull that up and see what it says about the quarterback number yeah, so I I think it definitely gives you a little bit more pause to just have a, a two-quarterback team. Like, I've never been big on two-quarterback teams if I've got, like, one. My first quarterback is a running quarterback or something like that. Then I'm probably, unless I get just a, a very, very safe pocket passer, Kirk Cousins used to be. Then I might, I might still run just two quarterbacks, even with one of them being a, a little bit more of a running quarterback. But now I think it, if I'm on the fence, I'm probably a little bit more likely to, to shift towards that third quarterback. And, and again, this is just because I think some of those quarterbacks that went late last year um, ended up doing better than we thought. The Brock Purdy's and so forth like that. There's always those quarterbacks that kind of come out of the back half of the draft. Sam Howell, another one. Jordan Love, another one. And if you, you know... If you take your quarterbacks too early, because most people don't want to take two quarterbacks late and call it good, they'd rather take three if it's late. So if, but if you don't ever expose yourself to those late round quarterbacks, then that can be a problem too. Yeah, the the, the data now that I'm looking at it for last year, number of quarterbacks drafted, advance rate to the playoffs, last year was the highest was for four at nineteen point four percent. Average is 16.6. Two is actually second. Hmm. So I'm, I'm more of a two-quarterback guy because I like to have those extra spots for position players that, that can give you like a spike week. I, I tend to, to, to lean in that direction, knowing that it can sink you. It certainly sank me in pros versus Joes. I also had Anthony Richardson, but then I, I had Daniel Jones, and I think, I think maybe, maybe it was Kirk Cousins. I forget. But I basically had no quarterback. And we're not going to talk about that. I might, I might have to, I might have to relegate myself out of pros versus Joe's this year because of that performance. But, but it's, it's, it's I, I have to tell this story. It is it, in a standalone best ball. It was one of the twenty-eight rounders, two fifty-one. 
I was ahead by 200 points on the field. The other 11 teams, when I lost my third quarterback and had none left for the rest of the season. Uh, did you pull it out or no? I came in second. I was thrilled by that. Because I was like, man, with no quarterback at all. I had Aaron Rodgers, uh, Anthony Richardson, and Kirk Cousins. I was like, there is no way that these guys are not going to catch up to me. And it turned out only one person could. So, mm. <laughs> Yeah, that's tough. But, yeah. but to, to, to your point about the late, the late quarterbacks, so here's some interesting stuff that I dug up. And why I think – We'll get, there's another question later, but the, 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 the stacks that advanced at the highest rate in last year's never too early basketball tournament were the guys drafted, and I specifically called out Dak, who was in the seventh round, Brock mm-hmm. Purdy, Sam Howell, and Jared Goff. The, the stacks tied to those quarterbacks were advancing 30 to 40%. The top four quarterbacks drafted, Mahomes, Allen, Hurts, and Burrow, were were really the underperformed. The only one that had a good stack within those four quarterbacks was the Hurts, Devonta, advanced twenty five percent. The other guys, all all the players tied to them, were basically sub subpar performances. And and here's this is even more amazing. Mahomes, Kelsey was the most popular stack drafted in last year's tournament. Okay, he was drafted, that was drafted 40% of leagues. Only five of them made it to the playoffs, which is 10%. That's that's bad right there. And none of them made it to the final championship week. And neither did a Tua stack make it to the final week either. And that was like, those are the, the, the premier offenses mm. that, that you're gunning for. And neither of them made it to made it to, to get to the finish line. Weren't even involved in that final week. So you really don't know. So it, when I look back on it, I'm like, you are you are taking a risk. But it seems like the draft capital that you're investing, it's 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 even a dicier proposition. Like there's there's more downside than upside. So that's something you have to just be aware of when when you're. And, and this we're going to talk about what's going on this year. But I see similar things happening. Yeah, it looks like looking at the making the playoffs. Herbert, actually, the Herbert Keenan Allen stack made the playoffs the most based on the data that you shared, which is interesting that Herbert did, he didn't do anything near the end, but it tells you, it speaks to how strongly Keenan Allen was playing, playing, especially near the end of the season, aside from those injuries where it cost him a couple games. But Keenan Allen was one of the highest rated wide receivers in terms of best ball value rating. In fact, he finished third only behind Tyreek Hill and CeeDee Lamb. So he's still putting up elite numbers and probably if it's that herbert stack you probably took one of those later quarterbacks it's easy to for you to see that like a herbert plus purdy you know could get you there a herbert plus howell could have gotten you there um and so yeah you you needed another one to take you across the finish line otherwise that we saw the the herbert allen stack was was the the most um the the highest high stack making it into the playoffs 16 of them 16 teams had that, and none of them made it to the, the final week. It just, yeah. they must not have had anybody else to carry them across the finish line there. Whereas yeah, it was it's... interesting that, sorry, Dan, the Dak Prescott, CD Lamb, and Jared Goff, Amon Ross St. Brown, who were popular week 17 selections when we knew that, were also ones that got us to the finish line. So probably just a coincidence there. 
but also it was interesting that the the two wide receivers that you were getting at that one two turn you could also pair pretty easily later on and so it's probably driven by the adp and not necessarily week 17. yep yep crazy stuff we think we know so much and it feels so good and then <laughs> reality <laughs> slaps you in the face kind of playoff time and uh, you know it, it, it's it's the the Mahomes Kelsey thing is just like people kept doing it over and over and over again. I'm more of a portfolio guy. I like to have a little bit of everything. I don't, I don't want to go all in too much on on the sure thing. Like just just mix it up. And a lot of times it's better to just. I, I think I posted a, a week ago, the Mahomes Kelsey stack advanced ten percent to the playoffs. But if you had just if you had not gone for the stack and just taking Kelsey, Kelsey, if you just had Kelsey naked, that got you 18%. So the stack isn't always like the best thing to do. It, it can, it can supercharge you week 17, but just it, 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 you know, in, in the grand scheme of things, it may not be the best thing in some cases. So a naked Kelsey is what got people to the finish line. That's and that that worked for him in, in many ways in life. For the naked Kelsey, he's he's, he's he's got a resurgence. It would have been nice if he could have had that during <laughs> during the money weeks of the the main event. <laughs> I had I had the the highest seeded Kelsey Mahomes team in the main event, and he decided to go wait to the playoffs to come back to life. So ah, these things happen. What can you do? Y'all were a little swift to go to the naked Kelsey there. Oh, nah. oh, oh. <laughs> I was wondering how dad would sneak that in. Well done. Yeah, the dad pun was coming in there somewhere. <laughs> Phenomenal. Yeah, so if we scroll, if we look, you mentioned Sam Howell, but Howell was a player that, if you look at the top seven quarterbacks to advance, two of them were Sam Howell stacks. Howell with Jahan Dotson and Howell with Terry McLaurin. Now, Dotson... Did not deliver this year in fantasy. He finished just terribly. I, I have to scroll down so far for Jahan Dotson in terms of best ball value rating. Yeah, he finished wide receiver 58. So for Howell to bring along a player like of that low caliber, frankly, it's that it was not costing you a lot. And I think that's maybe a strategy that best ball players should be targeting is these middle rounds to late round like stacks of players that are super cheap and you just on the cheap round 12 round 13 or later you know who they are like i know it sounds bad but this year it sounds like bryce young and i don't know if dj chark is going to stick around but maybe bryce young and jonathan mingo or bryce young and someone else and and or baker mayfield and a Trey Palmer seems like late round wide receiver quarterback stacks. And a lot of things have to fall the right way. And, but that's, I think one of the things that we need to keep in mind is if these quarterbacks early are failing or not delivering on suboptimal or deliver, if they're delivering suboptimal results, then perhaps we need to, we can intermingle with some of these mid to later round quarterbacks like the Burroughs and the Herberts and things like that. But also, can we target a Caleb Williams, assuming that he goes to either era, uh, he goes to either Washington or Chicago and try to do an early stack with whether it's Caleb Williams and Darnell Mooney or whether it's Dar, Dar, 
Caleb Williams and Jahan Dotson again, or Terry McLaurin. Like those are the types of things that I think are being undervalued at this point in draft season. Yeah, it, yeah it's really hard to 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 project that. I mean, there's some CJ Stroud stacks that are out that are in here, but it's not because people knew to right. draft a stack. They just the the planets aligned. CJ Stroud and, and Nico Collins and, and and Dalton Schultz. And 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 getting back to what we were saying about seeing who was it? The these other players, these these low. It was for Washington. It was it was Jahan Dotson. Yes. What that is 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 you'll see that they're they're like false positives. That's because yeah. people are drafting super stacks. They're drafting Howell, McLaurin, and then they're getting all the other guys too. So when you look at this data, you say, oh, it's not because Dotson Howell was like a, a great combination. It was it's 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 a it's a it's a, an artifact of 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 having the other players. Yeah, Jahan, Jahan Dotson was like you know it, when you when you get done camping and you find that tick that you've had for a couple days, that's that's what Dotson was last year on Howell. He was just a tick. Really, you didn't really notice you were carrying him because you you're winning in other ways. But it was Howell that got you there more so than anybody else. And I think this year there's some interesting possibilities for those late quarterback stacks that are partly due to the injuries that we've been having. Kirk Cousins is going tenth round. And that's late enough where you can build a nice stack off of that. Matthew Stafford goes very late. Aaron Rodgers going pretty oh. late, too. He's like 13th round. So, you know, Baker Mayfield is still down there, so that's another way you can you, you can build one of those stacks. Shoot, Derek Carr, 15th round. Will Levis, 16th round. There's, And those are the stacks, I think, as Darren said, those are the ones we really want to be interested in. Because you know what? You can you can combine one of those stacks with even more of a popular stack or whatever, but it's a lot easier to get two or three small stacks going based off of later round quarterbacks or later round weapons for quarterbacks, and you can make it all work out. I think there's some interesting stacking options this year. The Harry Snowman jumps in and asks, how did the Evans-Mayfield stack end up? And I pulled it up based on Darren's data that he shared and Mayfield Evans made the playoffs in three teams probably because at that point most of the free agency had already had not happened yet and we didn't know that Mayfield Evans was going to be a stack and then to advance though most of them did advance two of the three did advance to the next round but none of them made it to the championship yeah, so, Mayfield was free I, I remember yeah. getting him the Scott Fishbowl just as just as an extra quarterback because nobody really had any vision of what he was going to do. So does that were, give us hope? Around. Does that give us hope for Dave Canales turning around Joe Geno Smith's career, turning around Baker Mayfield's career? Is he going to turn around Vice Young's career? <laughs> and it, it, it's because you can get those stacks at will. It's almost like okay, go in, have your favorite stacks, but then so, sort of make make it a. a something you want to do in every draft is just pick up one of these outlier stacks just in case it's not going to cost you anything and but we saw the data it's if you hit on one of those that's that's a 30 40 percent advance rates to the playoffs by and there was not just one there was like four or five of them so you know just but you have to have a lot of focus when you're drafting and, and be very deliberate about that right Let's talk about a couple more stacks, and then we'll get into anything Darren wants to before we talk about our favorite stacks going into 2024. The A.J. Brown-Jalen Hurts stack 
Darren mentioned earlier that those the the Jalen Hurts under delivered with AJ Brown, but it looked like eight teams were able to go with Devonta Smith compared to I don't even see AJ Brown Zero. on this list. Zero. That's Zero. the key. <laughs> yeah. Zero. That that, that, that I, that's an outlier. It's it for some reason hurts AJ Brown stacks in this tourney. None of them made it. And then I was like, well, that's team right. But in the in the two hundred K tournament, an average amount made it. But it was just weird that none of them and I'm try I was trying to think back. Well, what was this ADP? What was his ADP like the first few weeks of the season or the drafting season? I don't know if that had something to do with it. But yeah, yeah it was I like think it might have. <laughs> yeah, I think it might have because there were I, I I know there were times where you really had to you had to push Hertz up early to take him with AJ Brown, especially in the the second set of tournaments because AJ Brown was going in the last with one of the last three or four picks of the first round or one of the first three or four picks of the second round. And then so you'd have to push him up into the first round and then Hertz was going at the two, three turns. So then you would have to push him all the way up to the beginning of the second round to make it work. There weren't too many people doing that. Yeah. yeah it, was, the, it was hard to pull off. Yeah. The Brown Hertz Smith triple stack was extremely difficult. Billy and I, Billy Muzio, director of operations here at Player Profiler, he and I went on a draft and tried to get it intentionally, and we we got sniped on the third part of Devonta Smith. People saw we went A.J. Brown, like, middle of round one, and then Hurts middle of round two, and they were not letting us get that Eagle stack, triple stack, in round three for Devonta Smith, and yet it was Devonta Smith who was the stack that you wanted here in in 2023 relative to the other pieces in fact as funny as it sounds albert akuagbunam had a higher <laughs> playoff rate yeah. than dallas got than than aj brown so yeah you tell me but nevertheless Bradley, you did not just tell me that <laughs> albert oh he'll never go away the legend of albert oh yeah one of the base switches of all, all, all time in fantasy albert oh <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. Oh, that was exciting. Now, the interesting thing is that Tyreek Hill finishes the wide receiver one by a large margin. He absolutely crushed his best value rating. Clearly the wide receiver one ahead of Sadie Lamb. It's It was L- Hill and then Lamb and then a f- huge drop off in terms of best ball value rating to Keenan Allen at number three and then on Raw. But Hill was clearly the wide receiver one. But if we look... Tyreek, he did advance seven, but only one made it to week 16 of that seven. Hill was dealing with injuries near the end of the season. Yeah, Tua he, he was up also zero. not looking good. Something happened week 15, but he had, yeah. he had zero points week 15. So that first week of, if you made it to the playoffs, that first week, he was injured, right? He uh, pulled mm-hmm. a hammy yep. or something. So I think he was out, which, which yep. pulled the rug from out from underneath you when that happened. So that's why a lot of them, a lot of those Tyreek teams vanished. Then he put up like eight for 80 in week 16, but still that wasn't good enough to push him into the championship for many teams. Um, yeah, when you, when you invest that much of a, he was a first round pick, right? So that, that's such a huge part of your team. If that's, it's, it's tough to compensate for yeah. that gap on a given week. And then what do you do after that? It's tough. It's yep. real tough. And I think the more disappointing player, frankly, was Jalen Waddle. 
who finished as wide receiver 29 best ball value rating, but he was going as a, a pretty clear third round pick. There was a, a heavy debate last year. Is it going to be T Higgins? Is it going to be Waddle? Is it going to be Devonta Smith? Because all three of those were wide receiver twos on their team being drafted in the beginning to mid round three in most drafts. And, Waddle disappointed last year. T. Higgins disappointed last year. Devonta Smith ended up being the winner of that triumvirate of wide receiver twos. I think with Devonta Smith, he's now falling into some cases round four. I think he's still a value here in 2024. What do you guys think? Yeah, at that price, I think he's definitely a value. The, pr the problem was is that last year we were pushing all these wide receiver twos up into the second and early third round. And okay, we've got Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell, and you can stack them unless Tua just went completely nuclear. It was probably going to be either one or the other going off on any given week. And that's a hard way to play when your first and second round picks are ping-ponging good weeks back and forth, but rarely have a good week together. Yeah, Bonta's ADP right now, and the tourney is 4-1. Is so he's at that he, no, he was going. That's that's a little bit lower than last year. He was like yeah. a, a third third rounder. And I'll, I'll I'll give you a little piece of info here. I'm not big on exposing or putting in my player takes, but very quietly last year, I was fading Tua. I had almost no Tua because I was so concerned of the concussion reoccurrence. Because he that guy had serious concussions. He was convulsing on the field i was like one hit and this guy was on so what i did was i loaded up on mike white in all the drafts and that and that ended up being a big goose egg for me 18th 19th round it, it didn't it didn't help me but yeah so i didn't really have too much to a benefit I, I i like how you're thinking there i did take some tyreek but i almost never paired him with tua uh typically when i would do that i was going with another fairly elite quarterback and trying to stack the points that way yeah, Tua finished this year as quarterback 21 in terms of best ball value rating behind the likes of Josh Dobbs, mm. among others. Yes. So, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just throwing out some deep cuts here, guys. This is when you dig into the data, it's, it's not pretty for what Tua was able to put up. And you mentioned the concussions as a reason to fade him. I think another reason that is related to that is the scheme because Mike McDaniel is not going to put him in a position to get hit like that right. because, and so he's not going to run. And so it's, he's virtually a zero in the rushing game. And so he's going to have to make fantasy points happen in terms of passing the ball. So in the games that Tyreek and Jalen Waddle exploded, that's where we see Tua having his big games, but he's not able to, he, he doesn't drag people along. He is dragged along. He is right. led by others. He is not the leader of the fantasy points. Whereas Josh Allen, the Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, they're the leaders of their team in terms of the fantasy points. I think that's another reason why we should continue to be fading Tua here in 2024 unless we get massive discounts. Yeah, those guys have a higher floor than – I'm just looking at, the, at, at Tua's weekly output. One, two, three, four, five – he only had one game more than 20 points in the last seven games. So only one, so 22 points in week 13. But after that, it was all sub 20 points, which is going to kill you. It's tough. Real tough. 
Hard All times. Right, <laughs> very, very hard times. Look, Darren, there were times where Taysom Hill was outscoring Tua Tonga Viola. And that was disastrous for my FFPC, Pros versus Joe's teams. I, part of me was complaining about, oh, they moved Taysom to, from tight end to quarterback. But there were weeks where I needed Taysom in the quarterback spot. Whatever. Yeah, points going in the wrong bucket, unfortunately. Yeah. So, uh, Nevertheless. Yeah, that, 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 was, that was a tough one. Because you, you didn't draft them as a quarterback. You didn't no. want that extra quarterback. But no. But sometimes you get what you don't ask for. It's okay. I'll take a gift. It's a new uh, year. <laughs> it is. Darren, are there any other stats you want to share with us before we move on to our favorite stacks of 2024? No, I think that's about covers it. The, the, the rest of the stuff that I dug up is around 2024, what, what we're seeing this year, and then what we might be targeting, I suppose. Cool, 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 cool. Dan, you and I have drafted up some of our favorite stacks. I've, I've thrown a few on the show sheet, but one of my favorites to start out is CJ Stroud and Tank Dell. And I know that Stroud is getting pushed up a lot of the boards, but pairing him in particular with Tank Dell, who has been forgotten about in the best ball streets, he's obviously lower than Nico Collins. Collins, I saw a week ago, go at the 112, Darren. You can back me up. This exists, that that Collins is at the 1-2 turn. And I'm just going to wait for Tank Dell, who is very different than the Devonta Smith, T. Higgins, Jalen Waddle scenario because Tank Dell last year, 20.5% of his games that he played, he was a 20, he was a top five wide receiver. And when he spiked, he spiked really hard. And so give me that guy who is compared to the Higgins and the Waddles and the Devonta Smiths who were not able to access that type of ceiling. That's why I think he's different as the quote unquote wide receiver two on the Texans compared to the others that we were talking about in round three last year. Darren, Dan, what are your thoughts on the Stroud tank Dell stack? Yeah, I oh, think Nico. That's too. That's way too rich, and and it's 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 almost like a committee. Like every week, it was a Noah Brown, it was a Tank Dell, maybe Dalton Schultz. That they have so many weapons to put anybody in the first round like that. I think is maybe a little little op- over optimistic, something like that. Yeah, I totally agree. I think if you're going to do a Stroud stack with one of his receivers, then Tank Dell is probably the best one to to do it with. If we had some clarity on Dalton Schultz, that might be another way to go just to uh, cheap it out a little bit more or add a third leg to it. I certainly don't have any problem having three or even sometimes four players from the same team on a stack because it can work out really well. This was not in best ball, but in a managed league over in the NFFC, I had a super stack of 49ers. And basically, they were playing for me every week. And it just didn't matter because their offense was that good. So you could do that with Detroit as well. Uh, their offense was that good. But the key is to find those offenses that are that good and that you can stack up. And the, the 49ers is another offense you can stack this year because they all fall right around that. If, you, if you've if you got drafting out of the one or two hole 
and you can put Christian McCaffrey on your team. It's pretty easy to put Debo and or Ayuk on there. You can put Kittle on there pretty easily. You can put Brock Purdy on there pretty easily. So there's ways to vary up the stack, and they're, they're all accessible from, like, you have one of the early slots in your draft. I think... Well, yeah, go for it, Darren. I think... I think it's only I'm only like three four drafts in, but it, based upon what I, I dug up today, I think it's going to be almost val- value drafting the stacks. Mm-hmm. So I'm probably not going to chase Diggs Allen. I was in a draft today and somebody took Diggs Allen at at the two three turn. I was like I'm not doing that. I'm gonna I'm gonna draft. I'm gonna target the players in the first five rounds, and then what I what I think I would like to do. Is based upon who I've who I've drafted so far, then target the quarterback, knowing that the rate of return on what you can get on his stack is going to be higher with the later quarterback. Instead of forcing it, like the Mahomes Kelsey thing is is should should tell you all you need to know about forcing stacks that that just are way too expensive. There's so much downside. But you know what? Not totally ignore. Like once in a while, you're going to be like, okay, I want to get one of these stacks. And I think that maybe that's going to depend upon what, what the ownerships are of those stacks. As we get closer to the end of the, the tournament draft season, then maybe we start forcing things just so we have some exposure to maybe some stacks that, that aren't highly owned, which is what happened last year with A.J. Brown and, and, and Jalen Hurts. Yeah, that totally makes sense. There's We'll flip to the, the second stack that I'm, I'm big in on. Dan, I... I was able to get in one of the early this the early FFPC best ball drafts. I was able to get AJ Brown round one, and I did push up Jalen Hurst round two, but Devonta Smith in round three, but then Dallas Goddard in round seven. So the quadruple stack of Philly, the Darren's. I don't know, maybe, maybe not. But how often is that going to exist? That I'm going to have all of those options. Billy and I struggled to get that, and I wonder if it's just things have not tightened up with regard to stacking going. And that's why we want to do these drafts right now where we have access to doing creative builds like this, where maybe we can get three or four Eagles on the same team. And I was able to get Kenneth Gainwell a lot later, or this was one where I focused mostly on Jacksonville, Buffalo and, and Philly. And you being a little creative in these early drafts where the ADP is not as tight and people are not as on top of other people trying to stack. So I, I'm still in favor of give me some Philly. Kellen Moore is now the offensive coordinator there, and I think that the defense is still going to have some growing pains as we get into year two of, of a lot of these rookies and Georgia players sinking back together at the NFL level. So in, in a difficult schedule that we knew was coming in 2023, yes, they let you down, but I think there's a reason for bounce back here in 2024. I'm pretty excited about the Eagles getting Kellen Moore, so that, that's good news for them. But to, to, your, to your story about forcing that stack, you may not be as unique as you think because I actually looked up how many stacks, using the Stack Explorer that I have, there are right now seven teams that have A.J. Brown, Devonta, and Jalen Hurts, and they may have acquired it a little more organically because yeah. Hurts is generally a third-rounder, and then you can get 
Devonta coming back the other way. And I think people just took took that as 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 it came to them. A, a little spoiler alert about the top stacks being drafted so far this year in a 2024 FFPC Never Too Early tournament. Devonta Smith, Jalen Hurts is the number one combo stack drafted in 16 out of the 27 drafts. So 60% of the leagues have a Devonta Jalen stack already <laughs> just because it just it just falls into your lap so many times, yeah. right? I don't think anybody's forcing that. And then the second one is Tua Waddle at 37%. And then Stafford, Stafford Cup is, is the third one. So those are the top three stacks. But this this Hurts Devonta stack is just it's I guess everybody's just taking it in every draft. It's crazy. With how late Goddard is going at tight end 13, that's got to be a value, and I imagine that that stack rate is going to climb with if you miss out on Smith or you miss out on Brown, it's going to be an easy click to just move up Goddard from tight end 13 to tight end 10 to tight end 8 even. Like, that's not going to – they're all in that similar tier, and I'm surprised that Goddard has sometimes fallen that far. Yeah, it, it, it's and Goddard's up there too. Goddard hurts is I think number number eight, but it just goes to show you, the the people drafting now are so stack conscious. It's it's just they're all just accumulating stacks when they draft. So, to to me, even more reason to like be flexible. Don't be fight like who was was it Dan or one of you guys were saying, some somebody sniped me. I mean, they're, they're sharks. Sometimes they do it just to be jerks. Like, even if yep. even if it doesn't benefit their stack, they just don't want you to have it. They're thinking macro tourney strategies. Like, I don't want this to be competing against this stack at the end of the year. It's crazy. Snacks, stack snipers. Stack yes. sniper, yeah. There That'll be go. next. That's, 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 that's your next show. How to, how to screw with every other every other person's draft and still Everybody's spiteful. There's, there's, so much, there's so much spite in the community. Come on. Just let's just... just just worry about your own team. <laughs> exactly. So I'll, I'll throw another one out there. I think that is fun that you can get at a pretty good discount to last year. And that's the Jaguars because Trevor Lawrence is going a good bit later. And then you can stack them up with Christian Kirk. You can stack them up with Evan Ingram. You can even throw Zayt Jones in there for really cheap. So it's it's easy to get Lawrence plus a couple pass catchers. Uh, you could even do. You could even try for Calvin Ridley too, and hope he stays with the team. Who knows if that'll happen? There's some fun ways you can go about that one, and and it's pretty cheap, really. Yeah, I'm thinking a bounce back for Trevor for Trevor Lawrence this year. He was hurt at the end of the year, and he's got he's got so many weapons on that team, and and Ingram, I mean that he really came out of nowhere, but he's still relatively cheap compared to to what he produced, and I don't think. I don't think that was like a one-year wonder type of thing. He, he went to a good situation, and he just really capitalized on it. Yeah, even even the year before, he did extremely well. So, you know, last year didn't come out of left field or anything like that. And still, people are undervaluing him because I think Jacksonville has that stink on him since they lost five of their last six and didn't make the playoffs, and Trevor Lawrence sucked, and he killed my fantasy teams last year, and on and on and on. Christian Kirk killed my teams. I mean, you, you can you can name any Jacksonville player you want. And he, he killed somebody's fantasy team. Sometimes going to the beat-up teams like that has a good bit of value. Yeah, Washington, you saw what they did in last year. They weren't anything special, but they they put up the they racked up the fantasy points. Don't 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 have biases against against teams. Just be inclusive. Like any any stack could could potentially be a winner. Like we we seen what it, we've seen the data here. It's amazing. It's funny the guy who won the not too early tournament last year. 
he had a, a, a Dak CD Lamb stack, but admittedly, he said he wasn't trying. He's a Cowboys fan. He's he's he was so buy against stacks, but he's like, it was so cheap it fell into my lap and I just took it, and then that ended up winning him the tournament. So it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Crazy, crazy. Yeah, Trevor Lawrence, quarterback, seventeen in terms of best ball value rating, ahead of Joe Burrow last year, ahead of Tua, and ahead of Geno Smith. So just for context there, Trevor Lawrence deliver did not deliver, but uh, Evan Ingram did. We mentioned Ingram. He finishes tight end seven in best ball value rating last year. But this is a player, especially in tight end premium, where you get P- extra points for PPR and Ingram what was it 114 receptions this past season he absolutely crushed and for like in that type of scenario give me evan ingram over a george kittle over a brock bowers if he's going to continue to get that target share calvin ridley is a free agent we'll see if he is re-signed zay jones is a cut candidate this year so we'll see if he remains on the team there's a lot of ways in which the offense can go one way or the other for the Jaguars, but Engram is going to be a staple in 2024. So if there's a safe stack, it's Engram, Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, that was yeah. that was the quietest 114, 115 catches that no, it was almost like you didn't even know it happened. And then you're looking back at the stats, and it, it was amazing. A lot of that was was week 18, but still very very consistent, very productive. What do you yeah, think yeah. about the Brock Bowers picture today? He, he <laughs> didn't seem very imposing. <laughs> I wonder if his ADP goes down after that. You know how pictures can influence people. Yeah, I think I, I think there's a little bit of a visual perspective issue with the angle of that picture, but, <laughs> but yeah, it didn't look good. Say. Yeah, we'll see. Awesome. I'll end with one stack. Dan, if you want to add one as well, and then we'll call it a night. My last one is Anthony Richardson and Michael Pittman. Richardson is forgotten about a little bit in these drafts. He crushed when he was out there. And we also have to remember these points for game data that were given is inclusive of the games he had to leave early because of injury. Even so, even including those games, Anthony Richardson finishes the quarterback five in best ball value rating in games that he played. He has the pathway to be the quarterback one and Jalen Hurts 2.0. I want to be drafting a lot of him and his number one pass catcher, Michael Pittman. I don't think Pittman is going anywhere in 2024. He's definitely a franchise tag candidate. And so I want lots of Michael Pittman, Anthony Richardson. It's very accessible here in the early drafts. Darren, I don't know if you have that data to pull up in front of you, but that's going to be an interesting one to see whether teams are actively targeting Anthony Richardson and Michael Pittman here in the early drafts. Yeah, that, that, I'm looking at it. There's there's six uh, Richardson-Pittman stacks um, out there. Uh, and I don't. it doesn't seem I was trying to, to, to look for what's the stack that maybe nobody has yet. And last year it was the A.J. Brown hurt stack that nobody had really accumulated. It seems very evenly distributed so far in terms of if there's a smattering of everything. Uh, we'll see how the, the, the ADP shakes out, but the, 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 there aren't any like really hard-to-get stacks that I can see at this point. But the people are aware. It's, he's not as much of a sleeper as you, as you think. Yeah, that, make, that makes sense. 
And really, it's a we're so new into all the drafts that ADP hasn't really coalesced too hard to the point where you still have guys that have a round or so of just flexibility. Variance. Yeah, you could you could get this guy from the six oh three to the eight oh seven or something like that, and that that just makes it so it's a little bit easier to put together whatever kind of stack you need because you don't feel like you're locked into taking anybody. If I don't take him now, I can never take him. Yeah, uh, right. and it allows you to push push players every now and then too which is you know i think a good way to uh, to go about stacking is to every now and then just try pushing it and you know know that you can recover with a late stack late somewhere else just just try to push it on those earlier stacks and see if you can make it work mm. only three kirk cousins jeff uh, justin jefferson stacks maybe yeah, people are sleeping on cousins a little bit then yep yeah i think i i think so too yeah, the only other stack I was going to mention we'd we'd already briefly caught, which was the Rams. You can do you can do Cooper Cup or you can do Puka Nakua, either one or both, even with because of how cheap Stafford is. I I don't know what you have for three way stacks on Nakua Cup and Stafford. Yeah, I hadn't looked that one up, but but Cup is number three. Yeah, so I, I I imagine there's quite a few of those who have 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 Puka in there, but Puka being a first rounder. Yeah, I would imagine that would that would drive people to to do to do that. You yeah. know, you could you could do that every time. If you if you draft Puka, then you can take Cup at will Cup Stafford at will most likely. See then maybe 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 your pivot then is to not take Puka, but do the rest of the stack and grab Demarcus Robinson or Tyler Higby or something like that. Not that I'm really big on Higby this year because of the, the way yeah, he's done. Yeah, we'll see. Maybe uh Maybe Allen, Davis Allen late. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Maybe they signed Tyree Jackson, your boy. Let's go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let's go, Tyree Jackson. Although Darren Waller is a cut candidate for the Giants, and Tyree Jackson would would look great as the tight end one in New York, let me oh, tell you. <laughs> Wait, just give him a shot. That's all he needs. That's all he yeah. needs. The one game that he subbed in for Dallas Goddard, he caught a touchdown and was very fantasy relevant. And then he proceeded to break his back or tear his ACL or something, whatever the injury that has plagued him his whole career. All right, we know it's the end when we're diving into Ty- Tyree Jackson, but y'all have been super, super guests, Darren, and co-hosting with Dan Williamson. Make sure you go- guys are following Darren on Twitter at Fantasy Mojo. Make sure you're also checking out his site, fantasymojo.com. If you are very into high stakes and you are not using Darren's site, it's just suboptimal play. So make sure you guys are subscribed there. Check out all the work that Darren is doing, fantasymojo.com. Dan at Overhyped Sleeper with no E at the end. Make sure you guys are following him on Twitter. We're crushing. If you guys like the content, found this helpful, smash the subscribe button here at Player Profiler. We're bringing out great content every day. Tomorrow, I'm hosting Player Profiler today on the Player Profiler Network. My first time solo hosting it as the lead of the news desk here at Player Profiler. So lots of awesome things happening here on Player Profiler Network. Darren, any last words before we sign off? When is uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. going to get drafted 101? <laughs> it's it's coming right this guy is is, is going it's it's getting out of, out of control but we might see it dan you're the king of 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 
of flag planning guys at one on one. Yeah, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to flag plan on Marvin. Harrison that's Theo here. Greminger's job. Yeah, just that's, for the right. <laughs> that's on his to do list. Take it all the yeah. way. So yeah, for the record, I, t- I I tend to flag a second year receiver. Yeah, he, he, he just doesn't quite fit in there. I, I I still I just still do have to do a Puka one on one just to say I did it. So yeah, there you go. That's, that's the plan. I was I able to get it. Marvin Harrison Jr. at the 402, okay? Let's not, like... That was cheap. That was so long ago. That was, that, like, three <laughs> days ago? It was, like, three days right. ago. <laughs> he, just, he, he just went 211 in the draft that I was doing an hour ago. I was like, what is going on? Slow down, people. <laughs> uh, all right. On behalf of Darren and Dan, I'm Bradley. Until next time, good luck in the best ball streets, everybody. All right, see you guys. Hey, I want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in. It's important to me that all of our media be free. This is only possible because of you allowing a true independent sports media enterprise to thrive unlike any other in the business. So please subscribe to the All In Package to continue to make all this possible to ensure that all of our stats, information, data, content is available to you, especially you, the people that get the site and get the show.